0: Since the end of the 2016 Olympic Games, Brazil fell out of the international limelight. Between August of that year and April 2017, roughly one quarter of foreign correspondents left Rio de Janeiro. Without any mega-event on the horizon, interest in Brazil just wasn't the same. As one foreign correspondent said in 2017, Rio is less dangerous than Caracas, less polluted than Jakarta, has fewer slums than Mumbai, and is less chaotic than Lagos. Oh, and it is further away than Mexico City for the world's big media outlets. But since President Jair Bolsonaro took office on January 1st, Brazil has made its way back to the headlines, albeit for the wrong reasons. His bigoted statements and lack of environmental policy... Have led to criticism from foreign governments and made him and the country an object of ridicule. And my
1: conclusion
0: is, you're a terrible president. In fairness, though, Brazil's image problem abroad is far from being caused exclusively by Jair Bolsonaro. Instead it is the result of an erratic foreign policy without continuity and clear goals. This week, we discuss Brazil's place in the international scenario, that is, which role Brazil wants to play, and what the international community expects from the country. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Daniel Buarque is a Brazilian journalist who has dedicated himself to studying Brazil's image abroad. He is currently doing a PhD research at London's King's College on that very subject. Daniel, hi. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about your research?
1: I have been working with uh, trying to understand what is the international perception of Brazil, what the world thinks about Brazil. I first did that as a journalist working inside Brazil and doing interviews with foreigners, people who study Brazil. Uh, And my research is trying to give more of uh, international relations, uh, academic uh, approach to the idea of image and perception of Brazil. My goal was to try to go beyond the mere uh, stereotypes and uh, uh, the idea of images of Brazil as a country of beach and football. Uh, and think about how much the perception of the country can really have influence into uh, the relations of Brazil with the rest of the world. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm doing interviews with the foreign policy community uh, of the five countries that are permanent members of the Security Council. So the UK, the US, France, Russia, and China to find out from them what they think about Brazil, what they think about the the international agenda of Brazil, what is their perception of how Brazil uh, can achieve in international politics, what they think is the role of Brazil in international relations, trying to find out what the really powerful nations in the world expect from Brazil.
0: You purposely left Jair Bolsonaro out of your research, right? Why is that?
1: Well, I started my research in 2017, and my goal was to do a very contemporary study of Brazilian international relations. But when I started doing my interviews in the period of the Brazilian elections, I noticed that it was infecting the the international analysis. It was really hard to try to talk about Brazilian foreign policy in the past 30 years without focusing on how much Jair Bolsonaro is changing uh, uh, what Brazil is trying to do with itamaraty, so uh, it it got some of my interviews a little a, a little bit off topic, and people would uh, show that they didn't really understand what was going on in Brazil, and people had a hard time trying to frame that into what Brazil has always been trying to to achieve internationally. So I noticed that since my my field work has been done. Uh, In the middle of the, between the election of Jair Bolsonaro, his first year in office, it would be a a moment of a lot of confusion. And not not everything would be very clear in terms of the, the direction that Brazil is going.
0: I know you're still midway through your research, but what have you found out so far in terms of how countries perceive Brazil?
1: Well, it's really interesting because uh, when you read academic work of people who studies uh, international politics in Brazil uh, with a Brazilian perspective, it is often said that Brazil is a country with a lot of influence in the world. Brazil is a country with a lot of soft power. Brazil is a country that has a strong international voice. And what I've heard in most of my interviews is that Uh, Brazil doesn't seem to have a very consistent international agenda. People seem to think that the fact that we have what we call the presidential uh, diplomacy and the influence of the president in in, in the the Ministry of Foreign Relations makes so that we don't uh, uh, follow through with policies. So, the agenda seems to change a lot with depending on who is in, in power in Brazil.
0: Can you give me an example of a shift in foreign policy that is connected to a change in the presidency?
1: Lula is often referred to as the person who uh, did mostly to did most to to project Brazil internationally. so uh, when people talk about how much Fernando Ricardos did did uh, for Itamaraty and how much Lula did for Itamaraty. Uh, there was an increase in, in the attempt of, of, of making uh, uh, Brazil be seen in the world and have a stronger, uh, uh, a stronger voice in the south, in south-south relations. Uh, that's different from what was there before with uh, uh, Fernando Henrique Cardoso, at least in terms of uh, the method that that was attempted to be done. And then with Dilma Rousseff, is seen as a rupture in terms of uh, Dilma not wanting to have such a strong political role internationally. And then now with Bolsonaro, there is even less continuity and even more attempt to change the focus of international politics. And that's probably also why people don't see that Brazil is trying to do the same thing and trying to achieve uh, a very clear goal. So that, that's one of the things that I find most interesting, is that from the powerful countries that are looking at Brazil, Brazil does not really have a clear goal. People don't really seem to understand what Brazil wants to achieve in international politics. Uh, They all uh, often talk a lot about Brazil wanting to have more status, wanting to have more voice, Brazil wanting to be a permanent member of the Security Council of the UN. Uh, But no one really understands why Brazil is trying for that, since all of that uh, comes with a lot of responsibility as well and with costs, and Brazil doesn't seem to to be willing to, to uh, pay the costs and accept the responsibilities that comes with it. So these powerful nations look at Brazil, they seem not to really understand why Brazil want to have a stronger voice or a stronger role in international politics, uh, apart from wanting to have more status.
0: I remember a few years ago, Brazil and Turkey brokered a nuclear deal with Iran, for example, a deal that was not accepted by the United States. So my question is, how seriously is Brazil taken internationally?
1: People talk a lot about the Iran deal. One of the things that I hear a lot is that Brazil should focus uh, on playing its strengths, acting in the areas that it is really strong. So when we talk about environmental policy Most of the people that I've interviewed say that Brazil has the potential to be a global leader. Brazil has the potential to be the country uh, leading the rest of the the world in terms of uh, environmental policy, uh, in terms of protecting the Amazon. On the other hand, people say that Brazil doesn't really have a stake on volatile problems in in the world, especially in terms of security. I mean, Brazil is not a country that has a a very strong military. So, from the, the perspective of these countries, there are very powerful, they have a lot of military power, they have a lot of stakes in these situations. If Brazil doesn't have uh, uh, military uh, influence in that situation, if Brazil doesn't have economic influence in that situation, the idea of having a mediator there like that is not as relevant as Brazil might think it, it would be. Uh,
0: Daniel, sorry to jump in. So you're, you're saying that Brazil is investing a lot in amplifying soft power. Which, opposed to hard power, is when countries can influence other actors without the use of military and economic force. But if I understood correctly, unless Brazil becomes a classic military or economic force, that strategy may never pay off.
1: Yeah, the the thing is that when we're talking as journalists, the idea of soft power seems very uh, attractive. But when we are talking about real policy taking place in the world and real negotiations... Uh, soft power is really questionable from an international relations point of view. It's seen as something that should be complementary to having hard powers and one reinforce the other. But when you look at what Brazil has been trying to do from the perception internationally, is that Brazil has been trying to become a more uh, important international player based only on soft power. And the perception that I've been hearing from interviews is that soft power is not enough soft power will never be enough for a country to have a very strong role internationally.
0: And in your opinion, what is Brazil's role internationally?
1: The most important answer to that is that there seems to be a mismatch between what Brazil thinks is its role and what the rest of the world expects to be the role of Brazil. And I think that is a problem because with that, we end up in a situation in which Brazil, Brazil does not have a clear role internationally. And that's uh, problematic, because uh, when you don't have a clear role, you end up uh, pursuing very erratic goals and not really having a very, very clear and effective agenda. And that's what seems to be happening to Brazil. On one hand, Brazil sees itself as a, very, as a, a, a soft power powerhouse, a very uh, strong international negotiator, a very strong international player that should have a lot of voice in international matters. Uh, But from the international perspective, that does not really happen. From the the powerful country's perception, Brazil uh, is not willing to accept the responsibilities that should come with having this voice. Is not willing to accept the costs that come with have this voice and is trying just to have the status of a global power.
0: After the break, We will talk to Paulo Sotero, head of the Brazil Institute at the Wilson Center in Washington, D.C. We'll be right back. When Brazil is depicted abroad, we seem to be constantly placed in either one of two extremes either Brazil is the place to be or a major bust holding back Latin America and the world. We host this week Paulo Sotero, the director of the Wilson Center's Brazil Institute. Paulo, you've been living in Washington for decades now. Uh, How was Brazil perceived abroad when you got there? And how has the country's image shifted since? I think the shift
2: uh, started in the presidency of Fernando Henrique Cardoso in the 90s. Uh, And for one reason, uh, we had had an enormous problem of uh, prices stability in the United States, inflation, near hyperinflation for decades. And finally, uh, a sociologist, one of the major intellectuals of Brazil, uh, accepted the challenge of running for office for the presidency and collecting a, a group of intellectuals of uh, well-meaning and well-educated people figured out a way of tackling infa- inflation. By the way, the plan was born at the Wilson Center. by and one guy named Persio Arida, who was a scholar at the Wilson Center for a few months after he finished his doctorate in economy at MIT from that moment on when Brazil surprised Brazil was the country of running away inflation Uh, well it stopped being that and Fernando Henrique started to more or less organized the Brazilian state for a democratic life image continued to improve when Brazil one of the most unequal societies in history uh, elected the first man of the people to the presidency Uh, President Lula won the presidency in his fourth attempt and initially he governed very well, obviously riding a wave of high commodity prices but also riding a capital of legitimacy in a country as unequal and as unjust as Brazil is The election of Lula was sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, seemed to be a gift from God to the country. For a while, it worked. Uh, You know, uh, uh, now we know that during all this period, starting with Cardoso, starting with the Real Plan, we continue to spend more money than we had. November 2009, cover of The Economist, actually summarizes the issue. We were going places. And, uh, well... Uh, three years after that we were no longer going places. We kind of entering this current crisis. didn't start today. And uh, I believe that uh, the current president, Bolsonaro, is an expression of the frustration. The frustration with the end of economic prosperity as a sure thing for Brazil. We are now living a moment, what people have described as a disruptive moment, with the new type of a new type. It's populism uh, of the conservative kind. The world has seen it, it's not no news. And uh, it complicates everything in a country where that lived a very interesting experience but didn't use it to develop a deeper political culture. Although it's not for lack of talent here. You have young uh, members of Congress, you have in the NGO communities, you have in the universities, you have lots of talented people in Brazil. But we have now to sit down, focus, and start reforming. It's possible to do it. I think it will happen. Uh, It will be not painless. But the country has the talent to do that, has the need to do that. And I insist, Brazilians are reasonable people. We uh, we will not, uh, you know, uh, we are not suicidal as a nation.
0: So you don't believe um, that Brazil's democracy is at risk whatsoever?
2: Well, I think it is being challenged. Let's see what we do with human rights, let's see. People are looking at, for instance, indigenous rights—a very important issue—and people are watching, and people will uh, confront Brazil. People, especially Europeans, and other, and in the United States. Remember, the United States is also a country uh, now uh, under is, is being governed by a, a, a conservative populist, but. The confrontation in the United States is enormous right now. We saw what happened in the midterm elections where the mobilization of women in the United States has changed the shape of Congress. Uh, Younger people say, no, no, this is my country and we are going to, you know... Do the, make the changes and elect new people. In a sense, the, the Trump event is a very mobilizing event in the United States. Will he will this continue? I don't think that the American institutions, for instance, have suffered uh, a fatal blow. It's being challenged. Same way in Brazil. Obviously, they have a much deeper democracy with deeper institutions, uh, but uh, depending on the outcome of the election next year, this could become very complicated in the United States too. I think in Brazil, in terms of democracy being devalued, you know, I, I, I understand when people say this, and when I have uh, the events, the discussions we propose in Brazil, I, say, I tend to, and I'm biased on this, I tend to focus and to uh, highlight the resilience of Brazilian, uh, Brazilian democracy. I think we are resilient people. We are not going to give up on our democracy.
0: I want to shift a little bit uh, the discussion. You mentioned that international observers want actions from Brazil before making any moves here. But so much of what a president of what a government must do is on the terms of the symbolism of a few actions, a few messages it sends Uh, in that regard, how do you see Bolsonaro's image with international leaders does his reputation precede him? Oh yeah sure
2: and uh, obviously he has a very good reputation probably with Trump, with the leader of Hungary with the the guy from the Philippines, etc., but not in Western democracies. No, he has a very negative uh, image, and this will affect his ability uh, to present his message to the world. Uh, the other day, there was a ceremony, one of those awards in New York by the Brazilian American Chamber of Commerce, and the organizing, uh, 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 the, the people that organized the award, could not find a venue in New York that would accept hosting a ceremony on uh, on in honor of President Bolsonaro. This is embarrassing. He is the president elected of Brazil, the duly elected president of Brazil. So uh, it's serious. It's serious. Uh, but at the same time, you can see other forces emerging. I mentioned already already Rodrigo Maia. I received at the Wilson Center not long, not long ago, in April, the Vice President of Brazil, a former four-star general that had a brilliant performance, defending democracy, and I absolutely believe this is genuine. Brazilian, this, those Brazilian military officers serving the government today are institutionalists. They, they really, uh, I don't, uh, for instance, I... There is a threat to democracy in Brazil, there may be, but it's not coming from the military, in my view.
0: But Vice President Mourão has, in 2017, defended a sort of military intervention, which is kind of a dog whistle for a coup d'etat.
2: In 17, but now we're now in 19. and Check if he has repeated that, because now he sees the possibility that he may be called. Reality may call him to serve. And he knows that he cannot say that. He cannot think that. He said that at the Wilson Center. We have a transcript of his presentation. He defended democracy. He defended uh, gay rights. He defended freedom of expression. What he said in the past uh, you you cannot yes you have to hold people responsible for their statements but you have also allow room for change and I think uh, I was surprised as everybody there are more than 400 people that came to the Wilson Center to listen to him and he uh, was a revelation to many people uh, so and like him and I know other members of the cabinet that are uh, civilians and military that are people of quality you know I I I don't simplify those things and I don't take sides in that regard Oh, this government so they are all against democracy, no they're not there are certain people that have some inclinations uh, but it's also happened during the workers party uh, government there were some people in the (laughs) workers party government that have a sort of uh, conditional support for democracy and uh, we have to be realistic, you know, it's uh, there is a good expression in English saying endurance under duress. That's what we are going to have to do in Brazil, you know, because it's going to be bumpy. Uh, a lot of the mistakes I think we are making are self-inflicted. Uh, nobody imposed this crisis in Brazil. This crisis was put together here, by the right, by the left, by the center. And now we are going to have to negotiate a way out in democracy. We live way beyond the means. It's not that people suffer a lot, especially poor people in Brazil suffer enormously. Uh, But we have to find a way to find a way back to sustainable economic growth. That is, with income distribution, we have to find a way... To make our talented people be uh, rewarded by their efforts, we have to reinvent uh, the whole uh, relationship in Brazil between education and companies, universities, and uh, enterprises. Because, uh, you know, it, it, it's sad to see Brazil is a country that produces produces great science, produces great scientists, but doesn't benefit from it. Because our system, the one that we created here, uh, prevents that from happening. So I think that this will, has to change, this will change. People in the previous government understood that, people in the current government understands that, the question is the difficulties in doing those things, and what I mentioned to you is well, people are not no longer uh, optimistic about Brazil; they are no, no longer have this sort of sort of trust that Brazil will do it. no they want to see it, they want to see it happen and uh, I think that 's positive. I think that uh, nothing is given for free in life you have to work for it and we as a society we will have to work now brazil continues to be uh, the same country with the same assets that has always had you have to figure out a way of transforming that in things that refer to the benefit of the people
0: This episode was written and prepared by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Laura Kiran produced this show. Ewan Marshall edited the final script. If you like this podcast, don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. That's really important for us. And don't forget to check out our website, brazilian.report. Every day we publish new content on Brazilian politics, economics, and society. You can enjoy a seven-day free trial before subscribing, and it is really free. We don't ask your credit card information. So just go to brazilianreport slash subscribe. And if you want to support independent journalism, donate any amount to the Brazilian Report. You can do that on brazilianreport slash donate. That's all for now. See you next week.